Yes, this is from uh, the uh, last talks of Jesus at the Last Supper, where he speaks about the sending of the Holy Spirit. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. Peace I give to you. My own peace I give you. A peace the world cannot give. This is my gift to you. So, on the one hand, at this uh, point in the story, Jesus is not hiding that the moment of death is coming. We usually like to deny death. We deal with death very often by ignoring it. But Jesus is facing death. As St. Benedict says, keep death always before your eyes. Not so that you will become morbid, but so that you can be alive, fully alive, and free from the fear of death. Because if we repress something, it becomes a source of fear. If we face it, name it, then it's something we can control or we can accept. So at this point in the story, in the point of his life, Jesus sees death uh, approaching and he shares this knowledge with his disciples. And there's no easy way to say to someone you love that you are dying and tomorrow you will not be with them. There's no easy way of making that sound, you know, cheerful. But uh, plunging deep into that spiritual dimension deep into his own self-knowledge, Jesus can see where he is at this moment in his own story. At the same time, he can see uh, the other dimensions of time, the meaning of the past. He can see that what is happening to him is fulfilling the prophecies of the past the meaning of the scriptures. And he can also see, not perhaps in this graphic detail, but he can see the future. And he knows that out of this death, which he is entering, accepting, uh, willingly, freely, out of this kind of death, 
something will come. And he identifies this something as the spirit who will be sent from the Father, so it will come from the ground of being, and it will communicate to us what Jesus is, is saying, has been saying. So, in this short uh, passage, we can see how interconnected the different dimensions of reality are. And the only way we can understand or express that interconnection, that unity, is through symbols. And the Trinity itself, of course, is a symbol. It's a linguistic symbol. It's a iconographic symbol. It's an image. Uh, and it's a conceptual symbol. But a symbol is different from a sign. A sign simply points you in the direction we are 400 or whatever kilometers from uh, Paris here. Uh, a sign would tell us that and give us that information. But a symbol, it does more than that. A symbol in some way draws us into the reality that it is pointing to. It is already Paris. It is already uh, the destination present to us in this symbolic way. I think this is how we have to approach the scriptures and the liturgies of Holy Week. If we don't have this symbolic uh, channel turned on uh, in our minds and in our understanding, then it may all seem rather empty signs uh, or rather superficial to us. I was thinking of this power of uh, symbol today as I was reading about the terrible fire at Notre Dame in Paris. And the uh, very deep and immense uh, grief that Parisians feel, the French feel, and indeed uh, all the friends of France uh, around the world, and not only in Europe, uh, feel as well. That the damage done to this beautiful, great physical symbol, architectural masterpiece, but not only because it was a great work of art, but because of what that art symbolizes. The mystery uh, of Christ, a thousand years of faith in Christ, a culture that has been shaped by that faith, even if the preamble to the European Constitution ignores the contribution of Christian faith uh, 
to the European civilization. But clearly, uh, the, the cathedral is more than just a building, more than a museum, more than a great work of art. It is a, a, a symbol, and the value of that symbol is felt by people, uh, as President Macron said today, even if they have never been to Paris, or French people who've never been into the cathedral. It's still a, a living symbol of national, of the soul, really. That's, that's what people are calling it, the soul of the nation. And although it has been very badly damaged, and a lot of treasures have been lost, um, the, the basic structure of the building is preserved. The two great towers are still standing, and, uh, but the roof uh, has been destroyed, and some of the vault, the basement. So I'm sure um, a lot of commentators will be reading this <laughs> event uh, symbolically too. What does this say about the soul of France today? And of course, you could you could uh, interpret this event uh, from your own point of view and use it to support your view that France is either in a good state or a bad state. But what is important is that it is a universal symbol. And it is meaningful, in essence, it's meaningful to everyone and to a, to a remarkable number of people who don't share at all in the belief system, in the, the, the Christian belief uh, around which the cathedral was built. And the Trinity itself, as I said, is a kind of symbol in that way, and a universal symbol. It appears everywhere in human culture, in human thought, after a certain point in history. And we find this, this this model of reality in uh, both East and West. We find it in primitive societies as well as in very sophisticated societies. We find it in the conscious mind and in the unconscious mind. And this has led many people to uh, believe that the power of this Trinitarian symbol uh, it derives from the structure of the mind itself. That this is how our brain or mind uh, works. The, the, the symbol of the Trinity tells us 
that to, un to best understand, to try to understand the meaning of, of, of reality, we have to go beyond monism upon uh, just monisma, is it monisma? Just uh, thinking of, of everything as being just one monolithic, monolithic thing, yes? Uh, it's kind of re reducing everything to one uh, thing. This is how many people imagine God as a, a monolith rather than as a communion. On the one hand, therefore, the symbol of the Trinity frees us from this uh, fixation upon the, the monolithic, the reductionistic explanation. And on the other hand, it frees us from the dualistic mind, which is used to seeing everything in terms of oppositions and uh, contradictions, polarities. The, the kind of knowledge that the symbol of the Trinity gives us is really the knowledge born of love. It's a spiritual knowledge. It's not the knowledge of the scientific inquiry or research. It's not the knowledge born simply of philosophical abstraction. It's a knowledge born of relationship, of an encounter, a meeting of my person, my self, with another person, another self. The Greeks uh, spoke about the friend as another myself. So, and Jesus at the Last Supper suggests this relationship when he says to his disciples, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. Why? Because I have revealed to you, or I have shared with you, everything I have learned from my Father. It's quite a dramatic statement. Everything. In other words, I have hold, held nothing back. There's a, a story uh, of some, I think it was in, in Japan, of a, some kind of um, monastic uh, Zen center, some kind that was uh, operating uh, after many, many generations. And the first, the founder of this uh, 
the founding monk of this lineage, had um, decided not to give all his knowledge to his disciples because it might not be good for them or perhaps because uh, it would put him at risk. And so he held, you know, 10% back. And he died and then his successor came in. And his successor also followed the same principle. <laughs> he held back 10% of what he knew, which of course was only 90% of what uh, uh, the, the founder had pres presumably known. So how much does that mean? He holds back 9%, yes, you see, 9% of what, of the, of the ultimate truth. He thought it was 10%, but it was 9%, and so on and on. And eventually, um, at some point, there isn't much left to hand on. And we might see, uh, you know, how this happens in religious uh, organizations and religious institutions. Less and less is, is handed on to the next generation. But maybe when you reach zero, or nearly zero, when the roof has collapsed, then maybe that is the time to start rebuilding and increasing the fund or the depth of knowledge that you can pass on. So, um, this, when Jesus says that he has shared with us everything that he has learned from the Father, and we know that he is one with the Father, he, he, is, he is handing on to us through the gift of the Spirit, it's the gift of his consciousness to us, as much as we can take, as much as we can absorb. So it isn't he who decides how much we can, we can receive, but it's we who have to expand our capacity to receive more. It's a different perception of, uh, of, the, of, of human potential and of human dignity. Very different from that uh, perception I was talking about this morning uh, in relation to the book on uh, Homo sapiens, which is a rather depressing and, um, and uh, discouraging a view of human, human potential. So this knowledge that is passed on is not conceptual knowledge. It's the knowledge born of love. Or we could say the knowledge born from a direct encounter with reality that direct encounter that we 
open ourselves to in meditation. Many r religious people are a bit shocked when they hear in the introduction to Christian meditation that we are not thinking of God when we meditate and we're not thinking of Jesus and we're not speaking to God or we're not asking Jesus to do anything for us and they are a bit shocked and disturbed by that because uh, it seems to them that that is what reverence and prayer and faith mean But there is a deeper understanding of prayer which is also present uh, in the Christian tradition and takes us back to the words of Jesus himself which tells us that prayer is not about essentially asking God to change his mind or um, imagining what, we, what God could do for us. But prayer essentially is allowing ourselves to be touched by this transforming knowledge that Jesus wishes to share with us. The knowledge which is love. The life of the Trinity into which Jesus has introduced the human consciousness is the life of love. It is life itself. Life is about cha change. It's about communication. It's about giving and also about receiving. It is about expansion, growth. This is life and this is God. This is, this is the, the meaning of the word God. Life, communication, transformation, oblation, giving and receiving, expansion, love. So in deep prayer, or pure prayer, as the early Christians called it, we are entering into this very life of the Trinity. And Holy Week explains to us how we enter it what we pass through in order to enter it. John Main says that every time we meditate, we share in the dying and rising of Christ. By taking the attention off ourselves, the most difficult thing we can do, which is because it is the leaving of self behind the letting go of self. By taking the attention of ourselves, of our thoughts, we are dying to self. We are entering into 
a uh, renunciation, a poverty, a letting go that can only really be compared to death. It's a form of death. Not biological death, but biological death very explicitly uh, demonstrates these qualities of every kind of death. So on the one hand, by taking the attention of ourselves, we are dying, and we may be frightened. We almost certainly will be frightened to do that completely. This is why it's important to see t today in modern culture, it's important to be able to recognize the distinction between certain kinds of contemplative practice which um, take us some of the way and may prepare us for this uh, deeper work of prayer um, but in, in themselves don't accomplish this this passing over this, uh, this dying to self. So mindfulness, for example, has many good qualities and can help people live a more calm and uh, harmonious existence. Uh, and one should never criticize any, anyone else's uh, uh, way of of finding peace. Um, <coughs> but mindfulness, essentially, like many other uh, practices of, of its kind, keeps the attention on yourself. Maybe on your state of mind, on your feelings, on your perceptions, on your sensation. And this can be helpful practice in calming the mind, letting go of anxiety, coming into the present moment. But the attention nevertheless still remains on yourself. And that's why many people who have benefited from this will then say, that's been very helpful, but what's the next step? And the next step according to all of the wisdom traditions, including the Buddhist tradition from which mindfulness came, will tell us the next step is, uh, is, what, is what we understand by meditation. Taking the attention off ourself in an act of pure attention, objectless, attention without an object. So this, is the, this leads us to the knowledge born of love. And the Christian tradition has always understood that contemplation is the work of love. Whenever we give our attention to someone, to something, we are loving it. Watching the crowds standing 
in front of uh, Notre Dame uh, yesterday, just watching the, the, the flames threaten this great symbol of faith and the soul of the country, uh, you could see that they were giving their full attention to it. And they were giving their full attention uh, in sadness and distress, but also with love. And the very act of attention showed and deepened that love. But this kind of attention is not me looking at you or me looking at some object of truth. This deeper work of attention that we enter into in meditation becomes a work of love, opening us to the gift of the Spirit, because it takes us beyond duality, beyond this way of seeing and living in the world in which there is always uh, a distance between me and you, between me and what I am looking at. It takes us, we could say then, into a deeper mind, or a deeper level of the mind, into a more united or unified degree of consciousness. Because attention, sorry, because reality is where we place our attention, the deeper the attention we give to anything, the stronger is our experience of reality. So this, I think, is also uh, what we find in the model of the Trinity. The Trinity is a model of mutual attention, not just between the self and the other, let's say between the Father and the Son, that would be a duality. If there was only the Father, you would have this monolithic model. If you just had the Father and the Son, you would have this dualistic model. But we have a, th a three-way street. Not a two-way street, but a three-way street. Almost a, with a, a roundabout. Because the attention of the Father and the Son is itself the Spirit. In the same way that a child is the, is the love, the embodiment of the love of, a, of, a, of, of, of two people. The difference is that the two people have to meet, get to know each other, then do certain things before they have the child. Uh, so this happens in time, but in a sequence. 
but the model of the Trinity is that this is the eternal reality. This is today as it has always been and will always be. We say, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning but really there was no beginning. But we cannot imagine something that hasn't a beginning. So we say, way back in the beginning, is now and will always be. That's a, an amazing statement of wisdom. As of course, we don't fully understand what we're saying, but we repeat it until little by little it begins to sink in because it contains, it's a symbolic expression of a truth. So it contains a little bit of, of what it is symbolizing. So um, today in our globalized world, the World Wide Web, we cannot relate to the mystery of existence only from the exclusive limits of a single culture. We, we can't, we can't um, relate to the mystery of reality Okay, in the proof on par. I don't know where I was. Doesn't matter. At the beginning, I could go back to the beginning. Okay, so I think we'll we'll. Okay, so uh, we we need. Let's say we we need to uh, to to draw on the common wisdom that we find in all cultures and all traditions. And there we find what we have in common. And by finding it, we will also discover our unique self, our un what is unique uh, to us. So, sorry if that was a little to Trinitarian. Anyway, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to take it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs>